This episode is brought to you by Smart Food. What makes Smart Food so smart? It's Air Pop popcorn, tossed in white cheddar cheese, only 70 calories per cup, a notorious black bag of popcorn deliciousness. You are what you eat. Welcome to the Smart Club. Shop now at snacks.com. On a beautiful run through the park on a pleasant day, you can easily get lost. No, no, no. She didn't kill him. Huh? In your true crime podcast. It was the pool guy. So obvious. Whatever motivates you works for us. It's all about letting your run be your run. And Brooks is here for every runner. Doing the research and sweating the details to create gear that works for you. It's your run. Brooks, run happy. Welcome to WrestleWolf, I'm Dr. Damien Gibson, uh, all on my own uh, again this week. Matthew Kayfabe has been summoned to England to be knighted for his services to Kayfabe. So it's uh, just me, gang, going to get into it. Um, we started off with uh, Jay Cargill and Shaq versus Red Velvet and Cody Rhodes. Uh, it was good to see Cody wearing a WrestleWolf uh, t-shirt as he came out to the uh, to the ring. Uh Shaq is a fucking huge guy. He is so big. Um, look, I'm in a good mood and I enjoyed this episode, but I have criticisms. So strap in. Uh, QT Marshall should not have been anywhere near this match. Uh, either should have the gun club. There was no psychology behind it. Uh, unless we're make co- making Cody a heel and there is a story beat that happens later on in the episode, uh, which is essentially the formation of the Four Horsemen, which again, we were right about. But even then, it makes no sense. Like these guys have not been involved in the storyline at all. This storyline's been going on for a few months, two, three months. Why QT Marshall and the gun club? It just To me, it just reeked of guys who aren't getting any screen time, putting the hard word on their mate to get some TV time. Um, and there's a lot of that happening in AEW. And I know I keep calling it out, but I will keep calling it out until it goes away because um, these are the kind of small time unprofessional things that, uh, well, one, you mate who's a WWE stand can just point out and go, well, what's that? But two, it doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't fit in with any story. Cody's the good guy here. Uh, and even if he's not, Red Velvet definitely is. So Cody's little nightmare family collective getting involved here just makes no sense when Shaq and Jade Cargill are meant to be the bad guys. Um, there's just no psychology to it at all. Uh, Jade Cargill gets the win, which is the correct booking. And then Shaq is taken out to an ambulance where Tony opens the door and Shaq is gone. So I don't know what that is. It's never referenced again throughout the rest of the episode. So whether we see more of that at Revolution or not, I'm not sure. I enjoyed this. I really enjoyed it. Like, I thought Shaq and Jay Cargill both did 
particularly well in ring for basically next to no experience whatsoever. Um, but yeah, we'll see if this continues. I, I, I don't know. I think Shaq took it seriously. And I think that like when, when you have these, um, you know, when you have these celebrities come in and do these things, yeah, obviously it's great for ratings and all that kind of thing. Well, we'll see what the ratings results were, but, um, if the person coming in takes it seriously, then they can do good work. Bad Bunny and WWE is a recent um, example of that. Uh, you know, even, you know, Drew Carey is a one that you know gets thrown up a lot, but he cared about it and, and was really into it and it showed. You know, it's when, um, it's when people show up and they don't seem to respect the sport um, is when people get on edge. But I don't think Shaq did that at all. I think Shaq was really into this and that was what was enjoyable about this. Uh, we cut back to the ring where Ray Phoenix and and Pac basically get a squash win, which is cool. They're big upping them as a um, as a tag team, which is kind of strange seeing that Penta is around. Um, so why the Lucha Bros aren't wrestling together, I'm not sure. But uh, next up we had the uh, press conference of MJF and Jericho. It was good to see the crowd actually stopping uh, Judas where it should be stopped <laughs> rather than the wrestlers who just keep singing it over and over again. Uh, Conrad Thompson getting a cameo with a question, which was pretty cool. Uh, me, well, definitely Matt's boy, Eric Bischoff, getting keeps popping up in, the, <laughs> in these uh, press conference things and, and really, <laughs> um, really uh, making Jericho look like an idiot. And uh, this has happened twice now. Three times actually, because he like he he's popped up twice and asked question uncomfortable questions to Jericho, and then he was the um, the moderator of the debate. Uh, so I feel like Eric Bischoff's going to be involved in this somehow. I think um, I think he's going to be involved in this MJF Jericho story somehow. Um, the young bucks arrive and ruin all of this. Uh, by saying that uh, Papa Buck wouldn't have been there uh, without Papa Buck, sorry, they wouldn't have been there. Indeed. Uh, the Bucks, who were the baby faces, then beat up Santana and Ortiz, who had nothing to do with attacking their dad. I mean, I know they're in the inner circle and stuff, but it just, I don't know. If you're going to do this, you know, get them to lay hands on, I suppose it builds up the. Uh, the want to see them get their hands on Jericho and and uh, MJF at Revolution. The, the problem with the Young Bucks, right? And as much as I, want, you know, kind of play the role of disliking them and all that sort of thing, they are really unlikable. Like they're not good baby faces, and the longer that they're on TV trying to be baby faces, like they just can't help themselves. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, especially Matt Jackson, they, he just inherently, he's Alan Partridge-esque in the way that he keeps turning himself into <laughs> into a face without meaning to. Because um, they just, I don't know. I mean, it gets brought up on a few English wrestling podcasts I listen to as well, where they, um, you know, Cultaholic, for example, where they'll say, you know, maybe in America being a cocky, arrogant, brash guy is, you know, 
the number one guy. But I mean, you know, Americans invented ring psychology and wrestling psychology, and they know that these kind of guys don't sell. I just, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing the match. Um, but this angle is all about MJF and Jericho for me. The Young Bucks are kind of superfluous to it. Um, we'll get to see them in ring, which is what they do really well. So um, we then get a video package about the exploding death match at Revolution, which I'm just super excited about. Uh, then we have FTR uh, and Tully Blanchard versus Jurassic Express. Uh, FTR and Tully Blanchard have JJ Dillon in tow. Uh, Anyone who doesn't know, which is probably a lot of you guys if you're super young, uh, JJ Dillon was the manager of the Four Horsemen uh, back in the 80s and the glory days of studio wrestling. Um, I noticed that FTR are expanding their moveset in ring, like a bit more aerial work and stuff, which I don't know if that fits in with their narrative of being you know a proper you know they 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 pride themselves on being a throwback and being big fans of 70s and 80s wrestling and stuff i just i don't know i mean there's enough teams and wrestlers in AEW who do all that high-flying thing it's good for ftr to separate themselves from that I'm not saying they don't do it well and all that kind of thing. They do, but, you know, flying DDTs off the ring apron onto the floor and stuff, I just don't know. I don't know if you need... I just, you know... That's not... That's not your thing. But anyway, it's still interesting, but... uh, This was an enjoyable match. The Four Horsemen getting the win. uh, Sean Spears appearing and helping FTR out. So Matt will be hearing this... Uh, from me for the first time via the podcast. So I just wanted to point out, Matt, I was right. Sean Spears is in the Four Horsemen, and I know you're going to hate every second of that. (laughs) And Cody Rhodes will be the main guy. Cody Rhodes, Sean Spears, FTR. That's the Four Horsemen. Um, But yeah, looks like we're right again. Next up is the segment that everybody is talking about out of this episode. This was the... You know, I mean, even Matt and myself have been back and forth with this. It's generated a huge amount of excitement. Um, so Paul White made his debut debut on 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 Dynamite. Uh, I thought he looked great. Matt thought he didn't, which is interesting. We'll talk about that next week when he's back. But um, uh, he basically announced that there will be someone. We kind of. He announced that there's an announcement on Sunday about AEW making a huge signing uh, and that he's a Hall of Fame-worthy uh, wrestler um, and it's not who you think. So, I mean, these cryptic clues... Tony Khan then went on um, AEW Unrestricted and uh, Matt has pointed out that he's used the word true a lot. So he thinks it's Kurt Angle. But, as I pointed out to Matt, uh, Kurt Angle's already in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame worthy would suggest that he's not in the Hall of Fame. There are two big major, you know, free agents who aren't in the Hall of Fame in CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. Uh, CM Punk... uh, CM Punk's my favourite wrestler of all time. Probably. It's a close run race between him and Bret Hart. And uh, 
he for five years has said he has no interest in in being involved in wrestling until recently where there's been a couple of interviews where he has said if the angle was right and the money was right maybe he might come back um but he just seems very content him and and aj lee who was his wife are doing a lot of uh, comic book writing they're both big comic book people so they're, they're they're earning money in other ways cm punk's got his fox show that he does with renee about wrestling so he sort of keeps his toe dipped in there um i just don't i don't see it being cm punk i i think you know if if the wrestler is to match up to the hype of paul white's promo this week brock lesnar's the guy um supposedly hasn't had a contract with wwe since august last year haven't heard anything about him at all wwe don't seem super stressed about trying to get him back uh on board i mean like he it doesn't look like he's going to be at wrestlemania um and you would have thought that if vincent brock had come to an agreement he would be back on tv and he would be involved in an angle seeing that wrestlemania is less than a month away um so i just kind of my gut tells me that it's Brock Lesnar, um, which if it is, is huge. I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Brock Lesnar. Anyone who's listened to any of the podcasts that we've done, there's been long periods of times where I've lamented uh, Brock Lesnar's existence in WWE, but I think it's because of the way that he was booked. Uh, you get him into AEW, um, it makes a huge amount of of noise and news and gets eyes on on the product and gets a whole different audience member onto AEW um more of a UFC uh kind of fan um the only the only thing that makes me think that maybe that's not what's happening is that there seems to be a no dickhead policy at AEW and Brock Lesnar doesn't always come across from the backroom stories that you hear as a great team player. And AEW seems to be more of a team uh, rather than WWE being a team full of stars. So, um, we'll see. I mean, if it is CM Punk, man, I'll, I'll probably cry. I'll, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, I'll probably cry in my lounge room. <laughs> um... There's been a few other names thrown out there. Christian, he has a WWE contract, so it won't be him. Dave Batista. Batista is genuinely doing well in Hollywood, same as John Cena. So I don't... There's no need for those guys to be wrestling again, unless they miss it. But um, Batista in particular doesn't seem... You know, he had that run with Hunter what, a year and a half, two years ago. He doesn't seem overly keen. Uh, he put out a tweet saying that, you know, people saying that they're retired and they're not retired is, is lame and blah, blah, blah. But that could be just throwing people off the off the scent. Uh, Bubba Ray is someone that Matt raised with me. Could be. Could be. He is in the Hall of Fame. I hope it's not because the way that this has been big upped you know, I just feel if it's a Kurt Angle or if it's a, a Bubba Ray, that's a bit of a letdown. You just you're better off not saying anything and having that caliber show up. Um, 
you know, to sort of whip up this amount of, um, because the thing is like, yeah, okay. You get a few days of people going, who is it? Who is it? Who is it? And then if they come out and they go, it's, uh, you know, Devon Dudley, then all you're going to do is piss people off. Um, and I think that, I think AEW is smart enough to know that. So, um, you know, I'm quietly confident it'll be someone big, but there are really only two big, big names around. So, uh, unless it's someone, uh, could be an Alistair Black maybe. Um, but I don't know if that would, I don't know. I don't know if that would, uh, you know, unless it's someone like if it's just a Paul White saying it's not who you think. I don't know. That uh, that throws a spanner in the works every time you go through a thought process about this. But uh, we'll see. We'll see at Revolution. It's something. It's it's something to be excited about. Uh, next up, Nyla Rose versus uh, Riho Insanami. Uh, Insanami wins this and sets up a match with uh, uh, Hikaru Shida at Revolution for the women's title. This is cool. This was a good match. I enjoyed it. I just think once again AEW's maybe missed a bit of a trick with with the booking of the women's division here. You've got uh, Britt Baker and uh, and and uh, Thunder Rosa. My God, my favorite wrestler. How did I forget her? Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, and Riho on the on the buy-in show, uh, and these two guys are the only women's match. I don't know. I just felt like that women's tournament was just not booked well. Um, you know, I mean, they ended up having four matches on Dynamite, you know, out of a possible, I don't know what it was, 16 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I just, something's got to give with the with the booking of the women on Dynamite, but... Uh, but this was good, and it'll be it'll be a um, a good match for both of these girls uh, on on Sunday. I just want to see more women wrestling, especially women the caliber of Thunder Rosa, Riho, and uh, and um, Britt Baker. Especially, God, you've got you know you've got such a talent in Britt Baker. She needs to be all over pay per views, man. But uh, anyway. Uh, Sting promo with Ricky Starks. Uh, Sting comes out to be interviewed with Tony Schiavone again. This is starting to get like WCW Nitro at the beginning of 96. Uh, but he actually cuts a pretty good promo. Ricky Starks comes out and actually says, Hey man, look, I underestimated you. I thought, you know, I'd said that you were too old and blah, blah, but you're actually, you know, you've got, uh, you've got some skills. Um, and then completely turns around and goes against what he just said and slaps Sting across the face. This promo was... Um, it made Sting look just a little bit bigger again, which is cool. Um, I'm looking forward to this uh, street fight match. Uh, supposedly, it's going to be a cinematic match, which I think if it's done sparingly and done well is cool. I'm really into those kind of matches. I know a lot of people aren't, but um, I think it's probably a smart way to book Sting at uh, 59 or 60, whatever he is. So... Um, yeah, and then when we, we saw him do a stinger splash, um, wasn't getting a huge amount of airtime. So, <laughs> I mean, he looked good. He looked good for someone his age, but 
Uh, you just you need to protect him. You need to protect him and the story and the company. You know, you can't just have someone um, like Tully was a little bit in the FTR match looking like they'd been retired for 25 years. Um, next up, we had 10 versus Max Caster. I get a few things that annoyed me in this, so bear with me. Uh, negative one needs to go. I know this will make me the biggest heel on earth, but still, it just takes me out of the story every single time he's on screen with wrestlers. Um, I I understand the circumstances, and I think it's very sweet that AEW is doing this. Uh, but from I'm just saying from a from a viewer, um, you know, and if I'm being a critic, you can't always be uh, nice, you know. Um, it just takes when when negative one is having an interaction with a grown giant wrestler and they're pretending to be angry with him or upset with him. Like it just it just doesn't work for me at all. Like it it it, it actually a bit like Marco's stunt as well, where it just like it just takes me out of it. It's just like well that wouldn't happen. And I know if you're outside of wrestling, you might be saying, well, <laughs> you know. Like, none of this is real and blah, blah, blah. But that's what great wrestlers do, is they make you believe that they don't like each other and that they're actually hurting each other. And it's hard enough to do that as as it is without a 10-year-old boy running around making it look even more unreal. Um, Anyway. Uh, Also, you've got Scorpius guy on commentary to put him over as a heel. So he's a heel now apparently by the sounds of it if you are going to do that and he wasn't great in the role as well either by the way i know i give i know i've been really harsh on scorpius guys since day one but i just don't see you know i can see the in-ring ability but i just don't see it i just don't see what everyone else sees with scorpius guy maybe i'll be wrong um i have been in the past but uh he wasn't doing an overly good job at it but if he if you are if the point of putting him on commentary is to get him over as a as a heel, having changed faces or whatever. Um that's not a term, change faces. You know, going from the good side to the bad side or the light to the dark. Let him do it. Stop screaming over the top of him whenever there's a two count that we can all see via the camera. It's such an annoying it's not just AEW that does it. Every wrestling promotion on earth does it, where the color commentator or whoever's at the desk gets yelled over the top of to to tell us about a two count. You know, we don't need 17 two counts in a match for a start, but if you're going to have them, we can see them. You don't need to, oh my God, doesn't, doesn't do anything. Um, Besides all that, Max Caster gets the win uh, as Matt Hardy had paid Jack Evans to hide under the ring, interfere with the match to make sure 10 from the Dark Order lost. Uh, so Max Caster gets the win. But I really think Max Caster's got star potential. I really do. He just, he's got that thing. He's just got that swagger. And as soon as I saw Ricky Starks, I saw it. And with Max Caster, it's maybe taking me a little bit longer to jump on board. But I, I could I could see him being a legit heel um at the top of the card for 10 15 years he's got it baby 
Uh, and then we're at your main event, ladies and gentlemen, Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn lose to Hangman Page and John Silver. I really enjoyed this match. Quinn did some really uh, great selling by using his massive amount of athletic ability. Uh, Matt beating Page uh, up afterwards was good as well. Just kept you interested in the storyline. I'm, I'm into this. As long as Page doesn't join the Dark Order, <laughs> I'm really into this. Uh, and of course we get a huge run in to sell the, the, um, tag team battle Royale at the pay-per-view revolution, which is happening Saturday night, American Northern hemisphere time Sunday morning down here. Um, it's a bit of a shame that Matt can't join us this week because usually we would go through the card and make predictions and all that kind of thing. Um, I'm not going to bore you guys by going through a list and saying names. Um, I've already bored you enough. <laughs> uh, it was a, a, a pretty decent uh, uh, go-home show in, in Crossroads. There's still just things happening in AEW that I think just need to be tightened up. And um, it, the things that I'm bitching about, like Scorpio Sky being, you know, talked over on the top of commentary and stuff, uh, the booking of the women's division, they're just small things. Um, it, they're still, you know, I, I still really enjoy Dynamite every week, but there are just things that keep recurring. When you see people making the same mistakes over and over again, it's really frustrating. Um, but there's so much on this Revolution card that I'm looking forward to. And, and, and if we do get a Sam Punk, Brock Lesnar level um, debut on, on Sunday, then uh, that completely changes the dynamics of the wrestling world all over again which is AEW have been doing this year so far with the forbidden door and uh you know impact and and all that kind of thing uh good to see nwa um back up and running as well they'll have power on fight soon so we'll be doing you bet we'll have the nwa show back so for there's quite a few people who listen to that and we're very dedicated to it so um, you know, tell tell your NWA friends that show will be back once Power's back on fight. But anyway, until next time, friends, rate and review, subscribe uh, on YouTube, follow us on the socials. But until next time, brother friends, Pepe is dead.